in in some ways burnout felt kind of normal because it happened so gradually that by the time I realized it it was part of my normal in some ways it felt like a never-ending flu <laughs> yeah kind of like that exhausted at the end of a flu where you don't have the cold symptoms anymore but you your whole body aches and is tired all the time and you're finding it hard to think I started um, a master's degree here in Utrecht. I uh, moved in on August uh, and it was already a shock coming out of the airplane because Greece in August is still almost 40 degrees and here it was like 12 and it felt like winter <laughs> um, and I was very disappointed. Um, I, I didn't know what to do. I I felt like staying at home all day and not venturing out. The university was kind of on the fence on whether or not they wanted to let me in because my bachelor's was such a mixed match of stuff. And the degree I did here was completely theoretical. So it was full on just media theory, um, a lot of research. It was a, a research master with possibilities for PhDs. So they were really taking it seriously. I liked it. I was interested in it. I like reading, so giving books, I'm fine. But I also felt that I was underperforming because I was used to uh, being a natural and not have to put too much effort into uh, understanding things and studying. And suddenly I had to. But the concepts, the theories, they were all new to me, but not anyone else in the masters. So I felt a disconnect and I didn't feel so smart, um, which wasn't very comfortable, of course. The first few months were rough. Uh, the combination of the weather and the increased workload and the dedication that the school expected of us uh, were quite a challenge. I, I found myself getting sick a lot, like actually sick. Combination of the climate, I guess, and the new allergy things in the air and everything. But that also made me very lonely because I didn't have anyone to help me or take care of me or the education, the education around how the healthcare works here wasn't available really at the university past the basics of you need to have health insurance. So I was finding it a challenge. I was very stressed. Um, so I, I had a lot of stress acne. I had some stomach issues as a result. It was, uh, and of course I was sick. Yeah, it was lonely, I guess, as a result, because I, I felt that I needed someone to come and take care of me a bit when you have a fever and you feel that everyone else is out there having fun and they're texting you and they think you're lying because how can you be sick another weekend too? But I was. I was. Um, it got better, of course, but the first year, especially until that first Ah, uh, God, this, this goes to show how much of a perfectionist I am, though, because up until the first um, exams, it was the worst. So after those passed and I did okay-ish, 
I felt a bit better after that. <laughs> Up until then, it was the worst. Uh, but I was living with a, with a friend at that point. We uh, had a, an apartment in Utrecht uh, across a park. Me, her, and her dog. <laughs> Which sounds small, but it wasn't. She had a husky. Uh, a lovely, fluffy, mischievous little monster. We, uh, we were living there together as students and it was totally fine. But then she had found a job and I hadn't. And it was getting a bit stressful because I was also worried uh, about money at that point. Uh, my parents are very supportive and I'm very lucky in that. But it was also the time that the crisis was starting to hit Greece. Uh, so it wasn't really easy for them to help me out. I was doing some freelance uh, web stuff. Because if you know something, you always fall back on it. Um, but it wasn't... I didn't have a network here. So it was difficult to find clients. I didn't know the language at all. I, I knew to get around, I knew to ask instructions, I knew to order things, but I didn't know it at a level where I could sell, sell myself or convince someone to give me a, a website job. Uh, and I started applying for stuff, but because the background I had was so theoretical or practical, but without a MSc, I, I was kind of stuck at that point. Uh, I was getting a lot of rejection letters. It was uncomfortable. I didn't want to go home because uh, my parents were basically telling me the country is getting worse and worse. You're not going to be able to find a job here either. You'll be living in our house again. And I had already lived by myself by then for six, seven years. So it was really weird to just go back at living with my parents and not having a job. Um, so... I was getting a little bit desperate and a little bit depressed. And my friend had, by that point, left her nine to five to start her own business. And she was complaining to me about how uh, she just needs someone to come over and help out with random stuff because she doesn't have the mental space to do it all. And she doesn't know that she wants to hire someone full time for it or what she would even call this position. Uh, and I just felt such empathy for her in that moment that I very casually said, well, I have nothing better to do. If you pay my rent, I'll come over and help you out. It was a creative startup. Uh, with consultancy and gamification um, services. And the artist had made each of us like uh, a raccoon uh, of our, the version of, of ourselves that was at work. And mine was one with multiple hands that was trying to catch many things falling from the air, which was exactly the type of job I would do while I was there. Uh, a little bit of everything, just picking up what other people were dropping, uh, I mean that in the sweetest way, but um, I did our social media and our website. I did uh, upkeep. Uh, I also helped program it because I knew how to do that. So why not? Uh, I did some of our work um, with events. So if we, we did some 
uh, meetup stuff to increase our network and I would plan those and host them. I started bringing more value to the projects that we were working on. I think first as a tester and then brainstorming and working on them in, again, almost whatever capacity was needed. It was incredibly fun, especially for someone that wasn't sure of the career path they wanted to take. This was an amazing opportunity to try out many different roles, see what fits, uh, learn the culture a lot more, uh, learn the language a bit. I spoke legal Dutch before I spoke conversational Dutch almost. Uh, I did our contracts, so I learned HR uh, laws and stuff like that. Um, I worked with our... Uh, I, uh, I, this is all in a progression, right? I didn't do all of this at first because I also had to prove myself and uh, get the team to trust me. Like obviously, my friend trusted me, but everyone else also had to believe in me and um, feel comfortable letting me take on uh, more and more things. Then it became a daily thing almost from two, three days a week. And then uh, one of the starting people uh, decided to leave very abruptly uh, on a disagreement over futures and shares and things like that, which meant there was kind of an opening and I took it. <laughs> uh, it was also offered. I didn't just like uh, step in, but um, there was an opportunity and I ended up owning part of that business and then I played an even bigger role in how we would do things um, helping with events we we've been to the Dublin Web Summit many times which was really cool um, the first year we were there as one of the selected startups for Alpha and we had a stand and it was so fun uh, it was honestly the beginning of it was turbulent because there was a lot of stress and there were a lot of decisions and there was a lot of uncertainty. It felt like this small community that supported each other, even though we were all fighting for the same things, we were all fighting to get funding, to have the next great idea or get the most clients or, you know, in the end we were all fighting to survive and make it big. There was so much support as well and a lot of parties. <laughs> Uh, the startups here party hard. There were the communal working spaces and they would have great parties and we would all gather and try to let go of all the stress. And and we, we did really good as well. Like we landed some pretty big projects. Uh, we made a lot of clients very happy. Um, my friend is very good in designing products so we had a lot of success uh, with what we put out there they were very well thought through the ux ui was very strong uh, we always struggled i think a little bit with sales uh, mostly because if someone met us then they were likely to want to work with us but on paper it was harder to convince people again i think the language was a big issue in that also, the fact that we were uh, women, for context, we had the consulting company 
Uh, and at some point, we also wanted to make our own product. Um, with that one, we applied for proper funding, proper, quote-unquote, like Series A and, uh, and all those. Uh, I do remember that one conference we were at and a lot of other people presented before us as well. Um, and there was right before us a group of two men having an idea for a pretty big project. And then we pitched. And the question, the first question we got was, don't you think this is a lot for two girls? And it was so frustrating. And honestly, kudos to my friend for just like not showing it on her face at all. But that was so rude. And I think in many cases, people saw it like that. We were also young. I remember having to wear a lot of makeup to look older because I looked young uh, and I was youngish. At that point, I was like in my mid, late 20s. I wasn't fresh out of school, but young enough to kind of pass for early 20s and have them be like, no, we, we don't trust you. What do you know yet? Which was very unfair. Uh, because at that age, you do have the ideas. You do get, I think, the pulse of the people if the audience is also around your age. Um, so I think in some cases that held us back quite a bit. Probably we also held ourselves back. At least I, I did. I held myself back a lot, which was a recipe for a burnout. Um, I, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I cared about it a lot because it felt mine. Um, but it also never 100% felt mine because my friend had started it and I joined it in a way where the balance wasn't equal. I joined to help her out. Uh, and I never really fully snapped out of it, I think. So I love her a lot. I trust her a lot. And I always felt that I was supporting her. So that combination in a lot of times didn't allow me to speak up or be more confident about my choices or my decisions. And that kind of made it more challenging to work uh, some days. Um, we also had to work crazy hours because especially in events, which we did plenty because it was our best sales strategy, the most, the one with the better ROI. Uh, but you're on 24 seven, you're at the summit and you have the stand. You try to talk to as many people as possible, connect with as many people as possible. So not just superficially pitch, but try to really adjust to what each person is looking for. And you do lunch breaks with investors, if you're lucky, or other startups for advice. And then you do more of the stand, and then you do the parties. And the parties are mandatory, honestly, because that's where a lot of the connections happen. It's almost where most of it happens, because everyone relaxes. Uh, and then you go to bed, and you wake up, and you do it all over again. So... It is a lot of work. I don't think I had a 40 hour week ever uh, running the startup. Um, 
I could not take it home. Uh, especially when we had the employees and I had this stress of making sure that everything gets done on time and gets paid on time because otherwise people won't be able to pay their rent on time. And that was a very big burden uh, on someone like me. <laughs> I'm very empathetic, so I would be very paranoid about everyone else's uh, livelihood. And we also run into some problems with lawsuits. We've been sued twice. <laughs> uh, once by an employee and uh, once by the early founders of the startup before I joined. And in both cases, it was more, I feel at least, an opportunity to make something out of a team and an idea that felt and appeared very successful and we were successful but not financially successful to the point that everyone thought we were we weren't paying ourselves a lot uh, we really really tried to put the business first and to make it succeed so for a while we were working to pay off lawsuits which really really sucked and it drains your motivation quite a bit. Towards the end, at least for me, because um, I left, it, it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't rewarding anymore. But I didn't know how to let go because I cared about the business and I cared about my friend and I felt that she relied on me and I relied on her and I didn't even know how to say it. So the last time I was at the summit uh, in 2015 uh, is when I knew I was in trouble. And it was such a random thing. They decided that year to break it up and not have people that visited together go to events, to the night events together. So they intentionally tried to break the teams into separate groups. Um, I think a lot of the people joining it were quite introverted and shy. So they would then stay within the group. So they were like, all right, how to force mingle? Well, you can only be one person per team, per group. Uh, and I, uh, I ended up talking to this guy there who, unlike everyone else at the f uh, event, didn't want to do the pitch and run. So a very common thing at these events is to walk up to you, pitch your startup, exchange cards, move on to the next person. The person with the most cards at the end of the night wins. I don't know what they win, but it feels like that's what they were trying to do. So um, I met this guy and he was like, I don't want to do that. I'm really tired of that. Let's just have a beer and not talk about work. So we had a, a good talk, we chatted, uh, he was from, Cro from Croatia, we chatted about Croatia and Greece and, and had a pretty good time. And then the, uh, and towards the end we talked a little bit about what we do um, and then we merged the groups. And he said something very, very interesting. <laughs> Uh, that in some ways really broke me. He said, when we were talking about not work, you were a completely different person. 
And the moment we met up with your team, you just shrunk. And he was right. Uh, but I didn't want to admit it yet. So I heard him. I really heard him. But I dug my head in the sand for a few more months. <laughs> so I ostriched my way out of that one until I couldn't ostrich anymore. So at that point, I wasn't reliable anymore because <laughs> um, I couldn't function at the level that I'm used to functioning. So I didn't really have ideas. And if I had them, there was no way to get me to open my mouth and say them. I was very tired all the time. Uh, I was a bit antisocial at the event. I would kind of hide in the corner and play wallpaper. Um, and then I, I remember having this moment where I couldn't ignore it anymore because we were working for... A, we were volunteering for an event and I was part of a meeting and I committed to doing stuff as a follow-up and I just didn't remember saying that at all. So uh, that was the point where I had to say, all right, I think I have a burnout. Uh, and my friend was really supportive. Um, she like when I said it she was like oh yeah what do you want to do like should you try therapy and what do we do with this and she tried to be less hard on all the mistakes I was making <laughs> uh, but it, it but I still knew I was making them I I basically had to have my I, I did go to a therapist um who was really nice she was very helpful but she basically had to coach me into quitting because I refused to. Because I connected most of my self-worth with work and achievements and performance. And I just couldn't let it go. I just couldn't fail. But I was failing by not failing. Session after session, she would be... But what if you quit? Like, what are you giving by being there? So she, she at least convinced me to take it to part-time. And to kind of try to phase myself out of it. Because it was obvious at that point, at least to me, that I couldn't keep doing it. The dynamic wasn't good anymore. I was very tired of not having any focus like what was a gift in the beginning became a curse later because yeah I would have to do HR and then I would have to do project management and then I would have to somehow come up with creative ideas and then I would have to call the clients and make sure they paid on time and run our financials and still somehow be motivated to bring morale up and it was too much. In, in some ways, burnout felt kind of normal because it happened so gradually that by the time I realized it, it was part of my normal. 
in some ways it felt like a never-ending flu. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that exhausted at the end of a flu where you don't have the cold symptoms anymore, but you your whole body aches and is tired all the time and you're finding it hard to think. Uh, it came with a lot of stress. Uh, when I was a kid, I would have um, the Sunday blues or the Sunday anxiety, if you ask me, uh, where I would start stressing about the week and I would um, start making mental notes of what I needed to do and um, kind of bringing on anxiety onto myself. Because, of course, when you start thinking about something that you have no control over, because it's not even Wednesday yet, but you're thinking about Wednesday tests, you stress yourself out because you, you, there's no out of the situation. So I that came back. <laughs> Sundays became uh, stress evenings where I didn't feel like eating because my stomach would be knots and I would feel heavy and like kind of like this black ball of stress and unpleasantness would sit on my stomach like underneath your ribs but not yeah underneath your ribs and I would uh, try to distract myself by like watching tv or basically trying to forget the world but it wasn't really working because uh, it would just be in the background. I would put it in the background, but it would still be there and it would still work. Um, I got a lot of insomnia, uh, which stressed me out a lot. And then I would be caught in this weird path of, oh, I can't sleep. And therefore, I'm stressed because I can't sleep. And the more stressed I got, the more I couldn't sleep. Um, and not a lot of things worked. Um, melatonin didn't work too much because my brain would still not shut up. It wasn't that I wasn't tired. It's just my brain wouldn't shut up long enough for me to fall asleep. Um, meditation kind of worked, but not always because sometimes I couldn't see thoughts as colored balloons flying away. I could see them as <laughs> anchors. Um, what helped was reading uh, because it took me to a reality that wasn't the one I was living in, which sounds bad, but it wasn't because it was a, it was a creative escape. It was, a, I'm going to imagine this world that this guy describes. I, I read a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic fiction at that point. Uh, it was great. It's like, hey, the world ended, but people are still alive. Um, society still made it, so maybe you will make it. A lot of it was subconscious, honestly. I wasn't consciously uh, picking the books to read. Uh, I read also a lot of murder because I liked the clean-cut investigation, traditional detective stories with the investigation and the solving and the resolution. Thinking back on it, there was definitely patterns. In the moment, I just went with, oh, this sounds interesting. I could go out and I could be really distracted and I could connect with my friends and have a great time and really not think about it. Or someone could mention something from their work and that could be a trigger and then I could have like a, an anxiety attack at a bar. 
um, which wasn't <laughs> what I wanted to be uh, happening. Uh, the anxiety attacks for me were mostly shaking um, and then um, the physical discomfort of your stomach um, clenching and unclenching. It wasn't unfamiliar either because I had, again, those problems when I was younger, especially around exam periods. I had the insomnia, um, I had the lack of eating or the overeating, you name it, I would unhealthy eating habits here we go but I didn't have it for so long before because before the stressors were timed so it's an exam and the exam passes and then it calms down from this one there was no calming down also I think because we didn't have it easy like there were the lawsuits and the problems and the client that almost went bankrupt and had enough money to buy himself a fancy car but didn't have enough to pay us the dues he was owing us and he owed us something like 50k so it was like a very difficult amount to just write off there was also all the things that were outside my comfort zone that I had to do to follow up those type of things that added to the stress um it, it was um, it was challenging and uh, so I started seeing my therapist pretty regularly uh, and just started coaching me to quit she um, <laughs> she asks questions a lot like but what would happen if you quit or what do you feel you're giving now in this state that people can't live without which was very very confronting uh, and in the end I decided I was going to do it and I had to train my replacement which was uh, very very confronting as well uh, I think we all like to think we're irreplaceable and <laughs> we're not um, which was um, relieving in some ways because it took away some of the stressors that I had about my friend and what she would do. But it also wasn't because uh, I didn't need that emotional turmoil on top of everything else. I was also actually very curious about therapy in general and like, exploring yourself and getting to know yourself better and what makes you tick um in greece it's a or at least in my experience again always uh, a bit of a taboo to go to a therapist it's for the sick people uh, but i was curious it's like well, well it could be useful she could come up with some of the reasons why i think certain ways or why i work certain ways why i value certain things so I, thankfully this wasn't the first time I was meeting this person, which helped because the burnout was raw and I needed to trust her a bit. So when she confronted me with logic, I didn't just throw it out the window uh, because my emotions were overpowering. Um, I could be like, yeah, you know, she's right because indeed... Um, what if I stop working? The world will not stop moving. Life will not end. 
um, but I, in some very weird subconscious way, that was the trick my mind was playing, that something horrible would happen if I stopped. But yeah, I, I, I believed her. So I started uh, going part-time and then spending a lot of times identifying triggers, like what is it that stresses me out the most, what causes the panic attacks, how can I ease myself into it but at the worst of it even opening my email was a panic attack moment it was it was a lot and again my my memory was sometimes reliable others not um and that was a very big shock to me because I have a pretty good memory and I actually if I stay in any space long enough and then you don't remember where you left your keys. If I've seen them, I probably remember where they were. And to have that not be part of me because of this was uh, very shocking. Um, and it was one of the main reasons that I ended up deciding to do something about this and that it was indeed a problem and I was not okay. I've always been a city girl, so I wasn't really used to a lot of nature. But going to the Amsterdam Forest or the Vondel Park actually was nice. Um, it was about spring last summer at that point. And so the weather was kind of nice. And I would go and I would watch the people and I would take my shoes off and feel the grass and kind of connect uh, to something that wasn't just work, but it was a bigger picture. And I read a lot. Some mornings that I couldn't get out of bed, I would just stay there and read until noon. Later, gather the strength to go on with my day. Uh, I cleaned a lot uh, because it was something that I could feel some control over. And then afterwards, it's also nice. You know, you have a clean house. You can actually see the result of your effort. Uh, so that was a, an easy win. Um, and I planned a wedding because <laughs> uh, on top of everything else, that was the time that my partner and I had decided we we're going to set a date. Um, and typically this is very stressful for people. So the fact that this was my stress release is uh, very funny, <laughs> even to me. But yeah, I didn't feel that this was stressful because everything else was so out of balance. It turned out okay as well, the the wedding. <laughs> um, very low-key, really sweet. I planned a, a break, an actual break, where I did, I think, for me, the craziest thing I had done till then, where I decided to, with my partner, pack up everything we had, sell what couldn't fit in a storage box, and leave. as a way to try and get out of what felt like a loop that I couldn't break, was to just like leave uh, with no plans. So my partner and I, we put our 50 square meter apartment into a tiny storage space. We sell, sold a lot of stuff. We weren't even sure we would come back to the Netherlands. It was really untethered, but intentionally. 
and we uh, booked a flight into the U.S. and a flight out of the U.S. And the plan was for the first week we traveled with normal transportation, buses, airplanes, and all that. And then we picked up a camper van that we would have for 38 days <laughs> and no other plans. I didn't know how I would feel about nature because it scares me sometimes. And I remember the camping ground where we arrived and the lady was like, let us know if you see a bear because there's recently been a sighting. I swear to God, that woman just like, she was so calm about it. And it was like, she was speaking my worst nightmare. So I was paranoid all night listening for bear sounds, uh, but I still like it. it it's, uh, I would still do it again because um, the nature was beautiful. I had my camera. I love photography. So I had my camera and we would hike and I would take photos and uh, we didn't have always amenities. Sometimes we stayed in places that barely had a bathroom. Uh, cold showers oh my god no not my favorite thing um, the we got caught in a snowstorm with a car out of California with not even back-wheel drive and I had to flag two very sweet men in a pickup truck who were obviously very drunk but knew how to drive in the snow to help get us out um, but it was still an amazing experience both for the incredible nature especially in Oregon which now has one of my favorite places on earth uh, well it always had it now I know um, it's the place where they also shot Goonies uh, and it's the Cola State Park and it's magnificent it's a cliff and the sea and the forest all together and we watched the sun set there and it was magical. It taught me that even if I have no plan, <laughs> even if it's hard, the world won't end. And I kind of needed to actually feel that. to teach my mind that when it tries to tell me that I need to always be in control, it's wrong, I don't have to. And some of the most beautiful things in life are when we have no control. My Mind and I is produced in Amsterdam by me, Liam Moore. The theme song is Waves by Pictures of the Floating World. You can follow along on Instagram at mymindandi underscore podcast. Or if you'd like to get in touch or be featured on an episode, you can email mymindandiemail at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.